40 men together can't lose. This is why you lift all them weights. Everybody's grabbing out there. Nobody's caught them. And now we're going. There's a gleam, men. There's a gleam. Welcome to Arizona, side of Super Bowl 49, where we have the special Super Bowl edition of the Coaches Show. I'm Brian Billick. This is Steve Mariucci. And Brian? first off, how about these digs? We normally do this in a closet in Culver City. It's pretty good. We do, and this is a sad day because it's our last one. Is I it know, really our I last know. one? Well, Unless we, we, they make us do a few more. We might parlay this huh? into a little bit it's more. It's been fun all year, though, Brian. Let's start with this. This is the Coaches Show, and I think maybe the most intriguing matchup, as biased as I might be, is between these two coaches, Bill yeah. Belichick and Pete Carroll. Let's talk a little bit about these coaches, how they got here. Let's begin with Bill Belichick. You can look at the graphic here. I mean, what this guy has been able to do, first he's the third oldest coach in the National Football League. That's okay. We're two old guys. We can see that. Sure. Same but when generation. You, when you think about it and you look at the resume of Bill Belichick, when, when I say Bill Belichick, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Whoa. Winner. Uh, Business-like. Right? Consistent. He's been there for so long. And does the same thing, and he has the same look on his face, uh, regardless of what generation he happens to be coaching. He's been coaching for 40 years, and he's got quite a resume, you know, not just as a head coach, but as a coordinator and as a position coach and a special teams coach, the whole thing. He's earned his stripes, and boy, has he been successful. And to me, what jumps out is when you last that long, which is just so unique in this league, the way he has transformed his team. You know, whether it's on offense, on defense, they're going to run the ball, they're going to throw the ball, they're going to be a 3-4, they're going to be a 4-3, they're going to be a pressure team, they're going to be a zone team. Just the ability to adapt to whatever personnel he can put together, that flexibility is, is the thing that jumps out at me. Now, a contemporary of his, oddly enough, again, one of our generation guys, you're not quite there yet. They're baby boomers. You're not, you're not, you're not in the 6-0 club uh, yet, but you're getting close. You're 5-9 Yeah, you're, you're getting close. But Pete Carroll, also of that generation, and again, you look at Pete Carroll's resume, uh, things jump out at you when you look at this. Let's look at Pete Carroll's resume, obviously, a little bit different. Both of these guys were the boy geniuses, kind of crashed and burned in their first job, come back, reinvent themselves. Obviously, what Pete Carroll's done when he left the league, came back, all that he's done at SC, and now what he's built in Seattle. For me, when I think of Pete Carroll, again, compared to a Bill Belichick, different style, that passion that's always there. Obviously is, is competent, good defensive mind, great defensive mind, but that constant energy that he has for his players on the sideline, that's probably the thing that jumps out at me, that I admire him doing it at this age. You know what, look at him chewing that gum. Oh boy, he's wearing this it out. This guy's high energy now, type A plus personality, and really, in a lot of ways to me, they're contrasting styles. Yes, they're both 60 plus, they're both defensive minded coaches growing up, right? They're. Uh, but Pete is more of the, if you ever watch his practice, I went up there and did some interviews with him and Russ, and, and he's got the music playing at right. practice, and he did that at SC, and it's more of a college-like environment, and he's, it's been very good for him. Bill, on the other hand, is, hmm, he's a business, right. right? Two contrasting styles, but the results are very similar. Absolutely. I wrote about it on NFL.com earlier in the week because I was intrigued by just how they got there and what these matchups are with regard to one another. And you're right, because when you look at it, you break it down. Again, both kind of the same age, got here the same way, failed in that first job, got the second opportunity, both based on defense. Uh, obviously, the personality on these guys. Pete, 
has never saw a mic. He's like me, never saw a microphone he didn't like. He's Joe Cool. He's California <laughs> Cool, right? Bill is physically in pain. He's never seen a he's, microphone he likes. Oh, my God. He, he just, you could tell it's like he's having an aneurysm anytime he has to get up on the podium. But what jumps out at me is the similarity of these guys. I think they're absolutely ruthless in their approach to the game, what they demand of their teams, and also in terms of whatever changes we got to make. You know, Pete's known as a player's coach, but at the end of the day, no matter who, I love you, man, but if I got to go bring someone else to do your job, I'll do it in a second. Yeah. And the, the structure of the organizations, I guess they're a little bit similar. You probably wrote about this, too, but you've got head coaches that are also in charge of personnel decisions for the most part, maybe more so Bill. Now, Pete's got John Schneider over right. there, and that's a good marriage because they see building that team in the same light, and, and so they've made hundreds of moves to get to where they are right now over the last couple of years. But they, John Schneider, who was groomed by a Ron Wolf uh, and Pete, boy, they, they work well together. And uh, certainly they've got, they've got all these players that were not early draft picks right. that are performing very, very well. It's selecting players, drafting players, but yet player development is king over there. The too. other thing that jumps out at me, and I wrote about it in the piece, was that, and you and I have been head coaches, we've been coordinators, we've been head coaches that have called plays. And I think Pete Carroll and Bill Belichick show us a sign of coaches over the last little bit. Nothing against those that call plays as head coaches. Mike McCarthy's brilliant. Sean Payton's brilliant. But I think both these guys are the prototypical. They're head coaches. They leave it to their coordinators to orchestrate the game plan. They're involved in all of it, make mm -hmm. no mistake. Yeah. But I think we saw it in the Green Bay game where Mike McCarthy, who's an outstanding coach, had to be so mindful of, okay, what's my next play sequence? What's the next plays that I call? Pete Carroll, on the, by contrast, is making sure offense, defense, special teams, all integrated going forward. Being the true head coach, I think, is the key to these two guys' success. So when you get back into it in a couple of years from now, are you going to call the plays, Brian, like right. you said? Or uh, are no. you just going to no. let it? Huh? Delegate remember, that to somebody else. I remember your mentor, Mike Holmgren, said, you know what? I enjoy it too much. I yeah. enjoy it. And I get that. We both enjoy that. But I think the best head coaches in this league today are the ones that orchestrate as head coaches, not thinking that they can do it all. Absolutely. Let somebody else do it. And then uh, I'm listening to see if I want to do something different. Yeah. Let, let's talk about uh, coaching decisions or the X factors in the game. Um, uh, let's talk about the defensive backs and the way, because there are a contrasting style in the way these guys Interesting play. Interesting matchups. Yeah, Seattle is is obviously the more predictable. They don't do a lot different. They're big, physical. Obviously, in New England with Revis and, and Brandon Browner, you really don't know what you're going to get. They're more matchup. If you want to go away from Revis, you've got to find him first. You want to go away from Sherman, yeah. just go down the middle of the left, because yeah. he's going to be over there he's on the right. There. Let's talk about that matchups and the difference in these secondaries. You know, that's what we, we, we had. We had Richard Sherman in the studio when they had their bye week. And he's a smart guy, an articulate guy, and very talented. We all know that. And we asked him, Richard, why don't you travel with the best receiver like Deion Sanders did or, or, or Revis does? He says, because that would be an insult to the other corner over there, Byron Maxwell, who's very capable of holding down the left side against anybody. So that's their mindset. It's, is it arrogant? That's their style. They just say, whoever shows up against that other corner, he's going to get shut down as well. So, you know, we, we watch that, and he's going to stay over there on the left side and cover whoever. Heck, the Green Bay Packers didn't even throw against them in right. the first game. And let's give let's give Pete Carroll forward. We're, we're going to do the combine and then the draft coming up. And how many times are we going to talk about playing long, DBs playing long? Uh. Pete Carroll invented that. Because before, you know, the 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", guy, that he all got in the fifth and sixth round, that ability to play, to, how difficult it is to drop a ball over a guy with long arms that can play long. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Pete's kind of invented that in terms of these DBs, and he's been able to man that unique style of play with 
fifth and sixth round draft choices. Now everybody's looking for that player that can play long. Yeah, and and so let's change the subject about another X factor because the DB matchups is really going to be key in this game. But the other thing that surprises me about about a Bill Belichick coach team is you know he's got. He's, he's got an offense and a defense that are very good. But you know what? He's going to use some trick plays, too. And we've seen all these substitutions right here on second down and one. You've got six offensive linemen, and Cameron Fleming reported, I am eligible, meaning he's playing tight end. Oh, they stop him right here and go to third down and one. And really, he should have come out of the game, but he didn't. You'll see Nate Solder over here as the left tackle is eligible. Brandon LaFell will take two through here. And, and on the play action fake, Solder blocks. Oops, slips out in the flat. Watch four points of pressure right there. He puts it in the end zone on a 16-yard touchdown, Brian. So there's been some trickery with this Bill Belichick, Josh McDaniels offense, the double passes, the six linemen, and you got guys reporting in and out. I think the competition committee is going to start looking yeah. at this because the officials actually missed this. Yeah. This should have been a penalty in this game. It was a touchdown in a, in, in a blowout game. But, but anyway... I'm going to be watching that substitution in this game to see how much they try to do it. Is it to deceive the opponent, or is it just that's how yeah. they want to play offense? Seattle plays. We just talked about how basic Seattle is in the secondary and their defense configuration. I don't know that we'll see a lot of it because they're not going to trick Seattle because Seattle pretty much lines up fairly static and base. I don't know that the trick would show up as easily as teams that are going to try to match up and play more man and whatever. Well, we're just getting started here on the Coach Show. We're going to come back and talk about what it is to coach in these big games, how you prepare, how it's different. We're also going to talk about some other key matchups here in Super Bowl 49. Here's my question, though. I mean, uh, you've labeled it sensationalizing. You've said you've disappointed in the media. You've called us three, three or four different names already. What is your purview that you could stand up there and tell 200 people how to do their jobs? Is that I have the podium and you all are here to listen to me. <laughs> Next question. Yeah, naturally endeared myself to the media when I, when I uh, in our Super Bowl 35 uh, press conference on that Monday, basically called them ambulance chasers. Remember, it was the Ray Lewis situation, and I oh, had yeah. to get control of how we were going to go forward. What do you think? Well, you, well, you laugh when you saw well, you that. you had that Johnny Cash look going on I there. I did. Huh? I did. You were good. You know what? Then that, that Super Bowl, when I think back on it, uh, and fortunately I had the team that could back it up. They had a lot of veteran presence. The big key was how do you handle that week? Uh, we and we had the Ray Lewis situation. We'd kind of draw the line in the sand. But I had the I had the right leadership. That was the key going up to it. That I had a Ray Lewis and a Shannon Sharp and a Trent Dilfer and a Rod Woodson. And I had some. It was obviously against a good friend Jim Thousel, which yep. added a whole other dimension to it. Yep. But I had this was such a dominating team. My most vivid memory is every team we played. I knew they had no idea that they weren't going to be able to run the ball against us. We played the Oakland Raiders in the AFC Championship game. They led the NFL in rushing, and I knew they weren't going to get a yard. And I knew that, obviously, in the Super Bowl game, that the New York Giants weren't going to be able to run the ball, and that was going to shock them and throw them off emotionally. Uh, it was a heck of a game, obviously a memorable experience. Uh, and and get you, you played in the NFC Championship game. Talk about you, you know your approach and how do you approach that big game? Yeah, I had no Super Bowl, so I had three championship games, but one as a head coach right there. Again, you know, again, Mike Holmgren. Wow, we got Mike Holmgren Look how young right here, and that was '97, and they had been the Super Bowl champs the year before, and we were the number one seed, Boy, thirteen you're and there? three. You're, like you're about 15 years old. Yeah, you know, I was. I had no stress. 
until Steve Young showed up. Look at that guy. I love that. And it was raining. It was raining that game, and Brett Favre was in his prime. He had three MVPs in a row, and they came into our place, and they beat us. And I was unable to go to that Super Bowl. Uh, and it's just devastating that you get so close, but you don't go. You can't go, Brian, and, and uh, because that's why we do this, right? Exactly. To not only get to the Super Bowl, but win the darn thing. And uh, three times I fell short in that championship game. So I want to ask you something because I heard uh, Mike Holmgren say to this day he has still not seen his Super Bowl loss tape to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Have you had have you looked at those losses. Did you ever go no. back and look the last game I ever emotional? coached was in the playoffs for the San Francisco 49ers in the second round against Tampa Bay and they beat us and they went on to win the Super Bowl. Right. I have yet to see that tape. I don't want to see it. Yeah, I know. I'm. Uh, yeah, it's. It, 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 I don't know that people can fully appreciate. First off, why? You know, why would I watch? Because I'm just going to get mad. Sap reminds me about it every other oh, day. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah, I bet you he does. It's like Mike McCarthy. I told. I've been saying half jokingly. If if you need Mike McCarthy, call him any time in the night for the next couple months because he's going to be up, given what happened in Seattle. Well, let's move on. Let's talk about uh, the X factors, the key matchups. You go. What obviously? What's the biggest matchup? Mismatch well, you think is on. I'll tell field. you who's big, and that guy's named yeah. Gronk. And, and so, did you see his press conference? He's dancing, he's singing, he's doing that. Yeah, he's a character. I love that guy. But Gronk against the Seattle defense, now, you know, you try to find a weakness in any scheme, offense, defense, or special teams. Well, the Seattle defense has given up 11 touchdowns to tight ends. Now, different reasons, if you go by back and look at them, it's against the safety, it's against zone coverage, it's in the red zone, it's not in red zone. But they've given up 11, and here comes Gronk, who is the beast of all tight ends, right? And so this is going to be an interesting matchup. How will Seattle try to cover him? In the first, you know, two years ago, they had Cam Chancellor early in the game, yep. came down in the box and covered him man-to-man -man a little bit. But you know what? Gronk won a couple of those, especially on play-action pass, Brian, where... You know, Cam Chancellor's in the box, and he's peeking at the run right at him, and there goes Gronk, and he's a step behind. Right. And so they start covering in different ways. So I'm anxious to see how Seattle will try to take away Gronk with multiple coverages, safeties, linebackers, man, zone, the whole thing. Let me tell you what I think Seattle to do, and, and i got to begin. We do a lot of radio interviews here on Radio Row, and I had it nailed yesterday. I did yeah. New York Station, and I said, simple, put Jamie Collins on Gronk. Be a great member of Dalius Thomas. We used to have. Yeah. We used to. He played literally every position. Then I realized, well, man, they're on the same team, so that's not going to do mm. Seattle any good. Get so confused talking about these <laughs> players. But I think you you hit the nail on the head. <laughs> the physicality of the Seattle Seahawks defense. They're all physical. So I'm not sure that the the New England Patriots and even Gronkowski and everything you're saying about him is absolutely true. But, I, you know, and then maybe it's just coach speak they're saying about we're not worried about it. This is just the way we match up. You said earlier how Richard Sherman says, look, it's a disservice to say i got to travel with a guy because we think Maxwell, yeah. we think Earl Thomas, we think Cam Chancellor. They are all so physical. They may have a great deal of confidence that no matter how they end up on it, they may come up, and that will be something that the New England Patriots aren't used to, having to deal with an entire secondary. They may have one guy that can match up physically with Gronk, but all of them that will be willing to come up and rock him, and then obviously uh, you can get Wright and you can get uh, Wagner to come over and jam and do those things yeah. that we see. They'll move Gronk out, but I think it's the strength and size of the secondary in Seattle as a whole that may take some getting used to okay. for uh, uh, New okay. England. Let, let, here's a matchup I want to talk about. Both these guys, we talk about beast mode with Marshall Lynch. Both these guys got some big beasts. You know, you're talking about LeGarrette Blunt, Blunt yeah, yeah. that they can literally bludgeon the defense with. 
I think the interior of the defensive line for the Seattle Seahawks is a little vulnerable uh, because I think they can go ahead and pound away with LeGarrette Blunt, all right, and, and have a big effect on it. But my question is, what about the, max, the matchup of Max Unger, the, Unger, the center for the Seattle Seahawks? Is he going to handle Vince Wolford? Or is this going to be where a game where Marshawn Lynch is limited, which would clearly affect the game plan? I think Max Unger is one of, if he's healthy, one of the best centers in the league. But Vince Wolford, boy, that's a load to run at on the inside. Yeah, it is. And they, they do move Vince around a little bit. So Mac, now Max missed the game, and, and he's got to come back healthy. But you know, in this offensive line, Max Unger is the only guy that didn't give up a sack this year. I mean, this guy's solid. He's a terrific player. And so, you know, they're good. At, he's good at pass protection. They're certainly good at run blocking because they're, they lead the league 172 yards a game in the run game. So he's the leader of that guy. He helps make the calls with Russ. And, and uh, so Max Unger is a key. Now, Vince Wilfork can play a good percentage of the snaps. You know, defensive tackles, they're ta you know, they play 62% right, or whatever right. that is. It'll be interesting to see how many times Vince is on Max. Yeah, I want to move on to our predictions. I first got to ask you because everybody's talking about you think, I just think that New England is so sound, assignment sound. Do you think the read option bothers New England? Do you think Russell Wilson's going to be able to get him? You know, yeah, because they do it well. They do it at, out of multiple formations and personnel groups. And I think Russell Wilson will fool them at times. I, it's, uh, you know, it's the read option. I don't see a lot of read option with a pitchback in the National Football League. Right. But they have what? They have the pass to right. the outside guy. He's done that, that and they've stepped scored. out and come they've back. They've scored already. So that's what you got to watch. And, of course, the Patriots will be preparing for that. But there's an element of surprise and execution. Yeah. That, that, and that's uh, where I think a Bill Belichick coach discipline team. I was surprised by Green Bay. You know how it is. You got to have the end guy. Either he takes the dive and the scrape linebacker takes the pitch or the other way around. <laughs> Green Bay seemed hesitant. I don't think the New England Patriots will be hesitant. I think they'll be assignment sound. They'll attack the dive, have a guy for the pitch. Uh, <laughs> I think they're going to put enough people in the box to stop Marshawn Lynch. Fill the rush lanes because I think they'll match up with, dare I say, the pedestrian receivers. Don't Seattle. say that. I just repeating what you said. Um, I, I, I'll be I'll be very disappointed if indeed New England gives up a lot of yardage on the read option. Okay, okay I'm going to well, put you okay, on. This so the I'm going to ask you then. We're going to predict this game okay. then, right? Okay. I'm gonna, I've, I've I already know, done. I, I know I'm just guessing, but game. it sounds to me like you're going. You're leaning towards. I I think Seattle. You I, just I, said I, the I Patriots know, are going to stop them. You know what I'm doing? I said Seattle all last week, so I'm going to officially say New England this week. Are you? So next week I come back and say, oh, yeah, I, I predicted right. I just think all – and here's, here's my biggest reason. You know my toxic. You know how much I love my toxic. Turnover differential, explosive play differential. They're both very good in turnover differential. New England's not very explosive. They're 26th in the league in big plays. They're pretty big players that 10 to 15-yard level. Yeah. Seattle's actually pretty good. Tom Brady and the New England Patriots are second in the league in 10 play drives or more. I just can't see them doing that a lot against the Seattle Seahawks defense. I don't know if they can get the big plays down the field. I'm going to go with Seattle. Okay, so I'm going to agree with you today, and I'm going to uh, go with Seattle. Today. I, have, I reserve the right to change my mind tomorrow for some other show. All right? But because this game is this is such a matchup that's a coin flip to me right it's now. It's a pick'em game. Because I have this argument with Warren Sapp. Because he says defenses don't win championships. And I go, what, Sapp? Your defense won you a championship. I'm wearing one because You're right there, too. And you know... When, this, when we play the Super Bowl, Brian, when, the, when we have a team that's number one in scoring defense, playing in the Super Bowl, 
They're 13 and three, okay? But let me add this. If they're number one in scoring defense and number one in total defense, which means yardage, they're undefeated. They don't lose. They're six and zero. Oh. So right now, what we have is that great defense again. We saw it last year's Super Bowl against the best offense that was ever assembled with Peyton Manning and the Broncos. So right now, today, as we sit on this white leather couch, I'm going to go with Seattle because of that great defense. There's no chance it's like last year, a one-sided. No chance. Uh, yeah, I just this this is well, too. We didn't think matched. that last year either. Yeah, we didn't. You know, we'll we'll change our we'll we'll just set, tape a second version of this and say <laughs> it's going to be a blowout, so we could say we got. Folks, thank you so much for joining us all year on the Coach's Show. I'm going to see if I can talk Steven into doing this all year long. I don't think we're going to be able to do it. We absolutely loved it, giving you the coach's perspective to what goes on in the game. Uh, you can always go to it at NFL Now or NFL.com. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you again next year.